Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Sans Pants Radio. We're not professionals. If you need someone to talk to, chat to your GP about your options, or check the show notes for country-specific resources. Hey everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Why Am I Sad, a Happy Podcast. I'm Joel. I'm George. I'm Cass. And we're joined today with special guest... Chris, and I'm a dietitian. That's great, because we're fine. Hello, sunshine. Hello, blue skies. Hello. George, before the show, you were telling me you've read a new book that's basically changed your life. Yeah, the best book ever. That's it. We're done. It's simple. Lock it up. We're finished, guys. All right, you know, it's one of those books where it's like, you know, it's not just out of nowhere. It's like, but it's like the one that I'm like, okay, this has just combined everything I kind of knew already, and I'm kind of a. This is finished. We fixed it. We solved it. You know, there's no what, more questions. Okay, what, is, what is the thing it's that we solved? A, uh, it's, it's called the obesity code. Yeah. Um, and it's looking at why uh, obesity is, like where it comes from, why it happens. Um, and it's like a systematic analysis of it. It's like written by a guy. <laughs> so engaged with the face there. <laughs> My The dietitian look of, I'm not going to judge right now. <laughs> I could see keep, it coming. Keep talking. <laughs> I'm, I'm very interested. Keep I hope going. you didn't do that face. To, oh, really? <laughs> I was like, that face was... Okay, just wait. All right, look first. <laughs> no, okay. go, go ahead. It's uh, it was written by a guy called uh, Dr. Jason Fung. He's a uh, doctor in uh, Toronto, um, and he's actually uh, he studied diabetes, so he wasn't actually in uh, uh, looking at obesity specifically. He was looking at diabetes because type two diabetes obviously caused by uh, insulin levels that are developed through time, not born with, unlike type, type one diabetes, one. which is. Yeah, uh, it's not necessarily something that you're born with. You can get type 1 diabetes at any point in life. Mm-hmm. Um, generally, it's in the first stages of life, i.e. childhood. But mm. yes, go on. Yes, but so type 2 those <laughs> is later. A little bit. Well, yeah, um, we are having more, we're having emerging cases of type 2 in childhood, but yes. Really? Generally thought to be more long-term. I remember when I was teaching, there was like year 7, so 14? Yep. With type 2, and it was like, yes, well, the earliest thing we've seen in this one. Mm, Yeah. Not great. And there are many different types of diabetes these days. They're sort of thinking that there are quite a few now, not just the type 1 and type 2, which is what we used to think. Oh, oh. Yeah. oh, there you go. But so, anyways, that's uh, there you go. Some diabetes stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is, so this guy was looking at it, and he uh, the whole book basically says, in its simplest form, that weight gain uh, in terms of long term weight gain is a result of insulin resistance. That's what causes it. Done. Anyway, that's the end of the episode, guys. Uh, so <laughs> we'll see you next week. 
no, and so the logic behind it goes, uh, so basically he says, from my understanding, so uh, it, over or too much insulin is the issue. Like that's why you get fat. But the reason that you stay fat and get even fatter is insulin resistance building up in the body over time, okay. which allows more insulin to be in the body, which is then why people get even fatter. So it's actually all comes down to insulin, and that's what causes people to get fatter. And it doesn't do with sugar, not to do with uh-huh. not to do with carbs or like that's obviously going to cause okay. that. But the fundamental thing that all of it does yeah. though is not like food; it's a hormone, insulin. All right, which is not so a hormone, I'm not, which is not food. If I'm eating a bowl of insulin, that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, sort of, maybe. <laughs> Are you eating anything else? <laughs> like, yeah, it's uh, not actually bad if you haven't got it on its own. Probably like as in, but because uh, you can't actually have it. But yeah, a, a hormone, by the way, which I didn't know, is just a thing that. Tells your cells to do something. That's what a hormone is. Which totally. Whew. Well, yeah. I keep looking over and you're stressing out. <laughs> no, you're, you're fine. The pump so far. Right? Um, I should mention that I'm a new graduate, so I finished my master's degree last year. I'm by no means an expert on the matter. Um, I do know a little bit more about it than the average person, but we're all learning together. So That's no true. stress. All right. Well, if you're... <laughs> Just look at my little confidence. Just come in about the same then. I think we'll be right. <laughs> oh, I don't think I could manage that. <laughs> um, well, first of all, I'd like to say that um, you look like you've struggled with obesity your entire life. <laughs> so uh, you are obviously coming from a place of, um, of expertise. I have uh, – look – <laughs> okay, all right. So, I can't believe I'm getting body shamed in here. That's a, that's a, that's you're right. You're right. I'm to. sorry. Is right. that what's happening here? Am I getting body shamed? Right? Far out. Or are we just negging you hard? <laughs> it's not group sure. Negging. I don't know. <laughs> but I'm very attracted to all of you right now, so it's working. That's <laughs> a, we're, we're body praising you in a very roundabout way. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. okay. Look, I get, I get it. Yes, I know. I was a. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, all right. I look all right. I look you all right. Do, you yeah. do. You, you, do, do, you, do, you look great. You look I know. I know. You know okay. wonderful. I can still have an opinion about things, all right? <laughs> Definitely. So, so what? Yeah, so you crack the code. It's all about insulin. So, what does that mean for the average Joe well, or the I... average Joel? <laughs> um, yeah. How does this make me not be fatty, fatty two tits? Um, so. So, like, there's a lot to this as well. Like, it's not just like a one. Like, the first number one thing which I want to point out, which is why I feel like even it's relevant to everyone, including me, to read something like this and learn from it, is to realize that uh, everyone's been lied to for like 40 years. It's full lies. Who's like lying 40, to me? This calorie nonsense. Full rubbish. Load of load of garbage. <laughs> to give you guys a little quick history yes. lesson in 19- looking, looking over at Chris. Oh, yeah. oh gosh, I'm oh. so excited. I keep talking to she cuts me off in rage. That's what I'm- <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, Chris, keep going. Okay, so check it out. 1977. So what happened, right? In the 60s, um, everyone started living longer because you started curing a lot of the obvious diseases, polio and things like that. So everyone started living longer. So everyone started getting to their 60s and 70s in a way higher number. So what happened was one of the reasons you die when you're 60s and 70s is heart attack. So what these people back in the 60s were like looking at stats and being like, oh my God, all of a sudden, all these people are dying of heart attacks, which they weren't before. And they didn't do the jump of logic, which is, oh, wait, when you get to your 60s and 70s, your chance of heart attack just increases in general. Like even today, that's still like a high chance to think of happening. So they did the false correlation of saying, oh, we're doing something in our diet, which is causing this. It must be this high cholesterol thing that we got going on. So that's what they based on for heart attacks. And for some reason, at the same time as doing that, they weren't even talking about obesity at that time. They were talking about what causes heart attacks. But because they're like, oh, cholesterol is causing heart attacks, cholesterol must also be causing being fat. And that's where they all started from. And that's a, so cholesterol being a source of being fat, never a thing. Full myth. Never any proof of it ever. No studies ever done which show that it happened. 
No clinical trials has ever shown it to work. No low-fat diet has ever worked. That's right. That's okay. Wow. Now, okay. now I'm sitting back. There's a there's a lot to deconstruct there. Um, yeah, 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 I went for a while just to make sure. No, that's okay. I just want you to be comfortable and make sure that your voice is being heard. <laughs> um, so what, that was what, a dig. That yeah, no, that's fine. Um, so what you're saying is, um, I think what you might be alluding to is the fact that we used to think that cholesterol in the diet, i.e., eggs, i.e., other animal fats. Um, we used to think that cholesterol in the diet causes cholesterol in our blood and in our arteries and in our cardiovascular yeah. system. We have since found out that this is actually not the mechanism that occurs. This is not the pathway. What actually happens is saturated fat, which is in a lot of these foods anyway, um, is the thing that causes cholesterol. Cholesterol, you can be as like you can be pretty thin, you can be at a pretty healthy weight and still have high cholesterol at the end of the day. It's not about how much saturated fat you eat, although it's definitely a risk factor in, in being unhealthy. Um, but your weight and what you look like is so multifactorial that, um, you know, cholesterol is just one tiny, tiny, tiny piece of the puzzle. Sure. So. I have to admit, I have not read this book because I did a quick Google of the guy and I was just like, oh, I'm not giving you my money. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I do have a little bit of an issue in general with, I'm not saying um, doctors and other specialists are, you know, completely wrong and completely ill-equipped. I'm not painting them all with the same brush. Um, I do think that they give out diet advice a little bit too willingly, given that they aren't. Um, a lot of them aren't specialists in weight loss and in weight management. Um, but, yeah, I think that, you know, when when you're a GP, for example, you'll do at most a short course in nutrition versus when you're a dietitian, you know, you're fully qualified, you have that bachelor's degree, you have that master's degree, you have the, the ability to assess someone's diet at least and then kind of look at other lifestyle factors and touch on them and go, well, these are the things that are making you large. These are the things that you could change that could make you thinner if that's what you wanted. One of the premises that this book talks about, is it intermittent fasting? Yes. Does he talk about that? Can you he, talk a little bit more on that? He touches. So that's one yeah. of his. Uh, so his view of it basically is that the issue with all diets is that they keep dealing with the like they don't deal with the fundamental problem, which is it keeps going back to it, which is insulin resistance, which sure. causes your body to have a set weight basically, which you don't change unless you lo- you can't change that set weight that your body's at unless you lower that insulin resistant level. So even if you lose weight because you get on a good diet, your body's going to be still be stuck at that higher weight. So you might lose it for six months, you might lose it for a year even, but it's just waiting to come back and you're going to be hurting. You're in a lot of pain because you're going to be like, I'm starving all the time. I'm low on energy. So his view is the only way you can drop that insulin resistance is to have your body not be producing insulin. And there's only one way you can do that, and that's by just not eating as much, like not eating as often. So his view is basically back in the day, our diets were like much more evenly spaced out. So like, and that's one of the reasons, that's one of the other reasons he says this explosion in obesity happened, apart from the huge mistake with cholesterol, is that back in the day, we didn't snack as much. So back in the day, you'd eat like three square meals a day, but you'd probably have like 12 hours a day where you wouldn't eat. And that's the other big problem that's happened today in society is that we're just eating constantly. Even if we're not eating big amounts, we're eating like, we're snacking all the time. Crazy. Like, yeah. little, 
little chocolate bar here, a little <laughs> thingy here. And the thing is, even if you have like a speck of something, it puts your body into insulin producing mode and you want to have your body not in that mode. So his view is the best way to solve that is by something like intermittent fasting, which basically means not eating for a certain amount of times versus whether it's, yeah, there's lots of a billion different versions. It was 12 hours a day, which is not crazy. That means you eat dinner at eight and you just don't eat again. Until I was going to say, does that mean 12 hours including sleep? <laughs> yeah, so that's why oh, it's right. like, that's, that's, that's dope. But yeah, so the idea is that uh, intermittent fasting, which is what he promotes, and there's lots of different versions of it. Um, the one that I'm digging is the idea of like the 16-hour one a day. So it's a 16-8, which basically means if you eat dinner at 8, then you don't eat food until 12 midday the next day. Because again, it's stupidly easy to do. You mm. just don't eat breakfast. Just drink green tea, coffee, and you're fine. You don't get hungry. And uh, then you eat then. And then it's like you're giving your body more time to just kick back, just to chill. Let your body, let your body do what it does without you getting involved and just constantly chucking snacks into it. But I- just chill out a little bit. I, I guess I intermittently fast anyway due to either forgetfulness or stress, but I'm still a chunky Good boy. Stress, well. So what would you say to those people who are overweight and who are skipping breakfast routinely and who are doing that intermittent fast? So the big point that he makes in it is that this isn't the only thing you should be doing. Of course. Yeah. So like this is his point was that everyone's doing all these other diets and it's still not fixing the problem. Because we're looking at everyone, everyone's getting fatter. So it's mm. not working. Mm. So what is going on here? And he goes, the problem is all of these diets work. Like every diet works. Like as in there's no diet because it means you're focusing. Generally, it means you, most diets you don't eat sugar. And most diets you eat whole foods. And that's already done. Like that's the most important stuff already. And that's the most sensible thing you've said <laughs> all day. <laughs> it's very true. It's very true. All these fad diets, and I'm sorry, this one is included, they all come up with these arbitrary rules and all they're doing is setting up a calorie restriction. So they're saying, oh, you know, you'll lose weight if you just avoid gluten. So you go through your day and you're like, well, maybe I won't have that, you know, cake that I have at morning tea and maybe I won't have that, those crackers that I have as a snack after my dinner, you know, and it's all that is is you're, you're eating less essentially. There's a few things I want to touch on. Number one, insulin resistance for those people at home who don't know So when you eat carbohydrates and carbohydrates only, your pancreas releases insulin, which is a hormone, as George Mm -hmm. said, which controls your blood sugar levels. So your body detects is really clever usually, unless you have diabetes, at detecting how much you've had. And it releases just as much insulin as you'll need to get your blood sugars into normal levels and staying in normal levels within normal limits, basically. What happens with insulin resistance is when our pancreatic cells are just exhausted, they're like, no more. What are you doing to me? Either our pancreas secretes less insulin or insulin isn't as good as getting blood sugar into our cells. So it's kind of like a lock and key. If you're trying to open your house with your Mikey, if you're like stumbling home drunk, which is what I've done before, um, that's essentially- Or your Oyster card. Or your Oyster card. Um, yeah. Um, then, yeah, like you just can't, you know, you can't get in. So your blood, your blood sugar can't get into the cells for energy. So that's what insulin resistance is basically. So to clarify with that though, yeah. just, just don't know, just- Yes. Uh, so the point was with insulin resistance. So what that means, your body then produces more insulin- to bust through that barrier of insulin resistance. Is that right? It can. So it's um, like the- and then eventually it'll your pancreas just becomes exhausted. Yeah. So your body's still producing more insulin to try to get all of that blood sugar into your cells, but the insulin itself isn't really 
your cells aren't responding to the insulin yeah. as well. Right. And then your pancreas just goes, well, I, I don't know what else to do, mate. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, and, and, yeah. and just to make, because I want to know if I've, I've actually understood this correctly as well. That's why it's yeah. fun. So basically, because what I was like looking at it, I'm like, well, but if all your cells are insulin resistant, then surely even though there's more insulin getting produced, you should be fine. But from what I understand is your body's not one whole thing. So even though one part might be a bit more insulin resistant, that doesn't mean your body is the problem is your body's overreacting to a part which is insulin resistant let's say but that actually results in more insulin in parts which haven't built up that resistance for whatever reason like i think your brain maybe or some part of you i don't know the details there and that's why you actually do get fat because that's that's why the insulin is actually getting in more is because your body's not equally insulin resistant everywhere it's actually producing it more and hitting it in certain spots and other parts it's not do you get what i'm saying i kind of get what you're saying i haven't read anything to say that different tissues are insulin resistant to different levels Mm. what i think happens and for those listeners out there who are more in the know maybe there's a dietitian out there with two years experience versus one (laughs) (laughs) what happens is your cells aren't converting that blood sugar into energy and what's happening is that all of that excess blood sugar is actually getting converted into fat because it can't be used as energy by your muscle cells and your other cells that need it so that's the pathway Right. That's why you're getting fat. Okay, right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, In terms of intermittent fasting and this obesity epidemic that we're having, my view of it isn't that we're having an obesity epidemic. The crux of the issue is that we're having what I think should be christened a disconnection epidemic, so a disconnect between our hunger levels or our true appetite and how much we're actually eating. So I think it's largely psychological what we're doing we're eating a lot more for comfort we're eating things that weren't readily available to us before our food system has some major issues with it so there's a huge disconnect between what our bodies need and what we're actually doing all right okay so yeah all right you're bouncing around in your chair there yeah valid point there but let's go point counterpoint okay right so what I would say to that is that that's the whole thing that intermittent fasting is trying to solve, that idea that we do eat too much of yeah. whatever. And so the idea is by doing a 12-hour fast every day, which again is nothing, but 16-hour, which I kind of think is better, is like getting your body to realize you don't need to eat constantly. And you don't need, and just because you like get peckish because you're trained to, that doesn't actually mean you're genuinely hungry. You're probably like that might be your body just like because it's used to it. Like or this- it could be your body saying, hey, I'm actually thirsty and we're not as well trained to respond to um, thirst signals. Mm. So if my advice to you would be if you are looking to lose weight, first of all, go see a dietitian because it's the safest way to do it and just a plug for our own profession. <laughs> um, but also the other thing is I wouldn't say it's don't start eating as you would with intermittent fasting in the morning. I would say eat when you're hungry but stop when you're not. So stop when you've had enough. Do you know what I mean? I think a lot of people are overeating for emotional reasons, for, you know, maybe they've been brought up that way, you know, clean everything off your plate, that kind of thing. So I don't think it's so much, you know, don't eat breakfast and that'll kind of help you realise that you don't need food. It might be eat breakfast But maybe, you know, don't have the bacon and eggs and cereal and then feel like you need that snack at morning tea. Just eat when you're hungry and stop when you're not. And I know that's a huge oversimplification, but, yeah. And the other thing I would say is I know that a lot of your listeners are young and it can be quite 
a very murky grey area to talk about fasting given that so many young people are predisposed, not predisposed, but eating disorders are quite common mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. them. So um, I wouldn't really be sort of giving the advice of, you know, you, you know, intermittent fasting is a great idea for weight loss because then that just kind of brings up unhealthy relationships with food and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, no, that's a, like that's the a fair point. Very, it's very, very yeah. fair. Like oh, yeah. we were all concerned about that. So, yeah. so that's very true. And that's why I would clarify because I – look, I, I, I'm still a fan, but like I definitely uh, – it's never a replacement. You need to be eating mm. all the time and being healthy. Like that's by mm. far the most important thing. So that's sort of – I do want to stress that very much. Like even though I'm still – a big fan of intermittent fasting from looking at it definitely mm. does not mean not eating because that's mm-hmm. like that's then you're going to be all you're not going to be healthy and you're going to be mm. sickly and mm. it's, it's not, you don't even look good when you don't eat like but it's, it's a, a slippery slope you know it's like yeah. yeah and for anyone out there who's still in school eat breakfast because it's good for your brain and it'll help you think <laughs> <laughs> when you're a kid you can eat whatever so, that's fine. <laughs> so is, is the crux of this um, life changing book of yours George is the crux of it is just the answer is look we all getting chunky because of all insulin. No one sat down and had a bowl of insulin like you need every morning <laughs> for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So fast is the solution. Is that is basically his He's... advice? Is that basically, it? if I was to like TLDR this, is it just fast and that's good? Is that what he's saying? And that's it for us, guys. Good night. <laughs> uh, um, no, no. So he, go, he, he keeps going back to the same point, which is obviously you've got to eat. And that's why I keep saying all diets work because it is about mm. this whole concept of calorie restriction is stupid and your body's a system. That's, so that's just the calorie counting, yeah. So in terms of calorie counting, again, yeah. you can throw in Chris anytime you want here. But this is this is the re- and I, I didn't say this before. This is the reason I love the book because it it does hide the fact that all these mistakes were made for like so many years when you talked about cholesterol and calorie and like that's it. and like people are like oh it's really simple guys you just eat less calories and exercise more and that fixes it and it's like that have doctors telling their patients that being like oh you're obviously lazy it's like that's and that's such a criminal thing because that was never the way and everyone just felt bad and everyone looks at people who are a bit overweight and they're like oh this guy doesn't have the self restraint to just eat less calories it's like that's not the solution your body doesn't work like that it's not a car with petrol in it it's like well it is actually it's like if it, if it doesn't if it doesn't have the energy there it will work less so like as in your body exercise isn't the solution it's actually what you eat that's the solution and that's a big problem that a lot of people got fooled by because they're like oh we'll just burn it off and we exercise but no most of your weight is actually lost just being alive that's how you lose most of your weight in the day ah uh, yes however exercise decreases your insulin resistance so what that means <laughs> I know, that's, yeah. is, uh, is that there's less systemic inflammation and your your cells do get better at using that energy and in, like, like insulin is better recognized by your cells. So what does the doctor have to say about that? Oh, he definitely agrees that exercise is good for you. But <laughs> this see, you agree with me on everything, firstly. So far, it sounds like I'm getting agreed with a lot here, firstly. <laughs> you agree about the insulin resistance thing, which is a big one. And also you agree that... Uh, well, obviously, you agree that diet's stupidly important. That's why I feel like, but the point is, like, it's not 50 50 with diet versus exercise. It's like, no, it's majorly diet with a little bit of exercise. And the exercise actually is as much for general health as much as it is for weight. Like, as in exercise, definitely for your general health in every way is better. But in terms of dealing with weight, no, it's food, it's what you eat that is by far the more important thing. And I love saying this with you sitting as an actual nutritionist, but basically, like, so. 
to go back to this, so it's like people were feeling bad because they think eating less calories will make them be healthier. But if you eat less calories, you'll just be tired. Your body will be like, oh, I've got less energy now. So I'm just going to run at a lower level. Your body reacts to you eating less calories. So like, that's not a solution. When people are like, oh, just eat less calories the next day. It's like, no, you can't physically do that because your body reacts to what you're putting in. So Chris... <laughs> I'm just yeah I'm just like oh god what what do I what do I respond to um yes you can decrease what's called your basal metabolic rate so what is commonly known as your metabolism by having an energy restriction that's like too high basically like just like I'm going to eat 400 calories for a week and I'm going to lose weight that's not good for you no one's saying to do that but a gradual weight loss can be achieved by a small energy restriction each day. So like a, you know, maybe like you're like, oh, like I'm just going to like not have dessert, you know, for a little while and I'm going to go to the gym a little bit more and my body's not going to go into full panic mode, sirens, because that also happens. You touched on set weight before mm. and settling weight, which is what happens when your body is losing weight. So your body basically is conspiring against you when you're trying to lose weight. Every single pathway Piece in your body. <laughs> <laughs> you I single- hated this body for a reason. Yeah. yeah, like your hunger pathways in your brain are going nuts. Your body's like, all right, conserve more energy, conserve more fat. And it has a higher tendency to do that if we get really extreme with our efforts. But if you, which is why everyone says, you know, gradual weight loss is so much better for you than you know, mm. going mm. on a fad diet and fainting on your way to work. No mm. one's like, yeah. <laughs> who knew? Like, yeah. The expert weighing in, right? Mm. Um, yeah, so does that answer your question? Sorry, I feel like we're just going back and forth a little bit. But I didn't I did ask a question. Did you ask a question? <laughs> I was asking for any disagreement with what I was saying, but to go back to the set weight as well. So, mm. yeah, there's me. Like, just let's hear it. Okay. So set weight. So one of the things it talks about with the set weight, it goes, and I love this metaphor so much. It goes, basically your body has a set weight, which is why you actually can't, and this is going to be, this is going to get the room interesting, but it goes, basically you can't put on weight like super fast either. You can't change your body weight up 20 kilos and keep it there because it will just go back down. Like you have a set weight that your body's at that changes over time slowly, but you can't alter it either way hugely because it's got that set weight in place. And like the best way to put it is that, from what I read, is like imagine the thermostat in your house is set to 32 on the heater, whatever. And a um, warm house, mate. If you want to put it here, yeah, it gets steamy. You've got to sweat it out. That's how you do it. No, um, so, <laughs> but like, and every, all these diets in general, the idea is that you're opening a window or you're turning on a fan. But if you don't change that thermostat, that's the actual issue that everyone's been ignoring, which. The thermostat is based again, Chris, you can disagree here, but the thermostat's based on your insulin resistance levels. So what you've got to do long-term is lower that insulin resistance level. That's what you're trying to do. And that's what like, that's where intermittent fasting comes in from what I understand, which is that you can eat more. You don't have to be hungry. You can actually have your your meals being whole food and all that. But the key is to leave your body the time it needs to relax after eating them. So you can actually not eat less. You're eating the same amount, but just in a shorter window. So your body has more time to relax afterwards and actually deal with what's going through it, you know? And that, and that actually, because the insulin's not spiking, it starts lowering. And it takes a long time. It takes years. But that's the idea is that the only way you can change that set weight, that 32 degrees to lower that thermostat is by just uh, not eating, like having windows in the day where you don't eat. But still eat every day because uh, you have to be healthy. Mm. But you have to give your body, just let your body relax. It knows what it's doing. Just let it chill. 
That's the that was the fundamental point of it. He goes, let's just let your body relax every day. So kind of like, hey, I eat dinner at six o'clock every night because mm-hmm. I'm a good boy, and then I go to bed at a responsible hour. Like, not 4 a.m., but a responsible hour. I like that you don't even know what a responsible hour is, do you? No, no idea. <laughs> I was like, I'll go to responsible hour. Is 10 good? You can tell. Fuck. I have no idea. I'll just go to the other extreme of when I go to sleep. Oh, that's a good gag. We'll go there. Yeah, I could tell. Cool. That's exactly, I could see your face doing it. You're like, it was 50-50. You got it right. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm just going to go late. Yeah, yeah that's, yeah, that's good. I'm sure. Uh, so, yes, uh, a good boy. Got to spend a reasonable time. Yeah. And then I good. wake yeah. up at, say, 6, and then I have uh, my breakfast at 7. So that's, again, about 13 hours yeah. of technically fasting. Yeah. And that's sort of what the, it's promoting. At least that's in the right direction, yeah. So and that means that. So all we're doing here is that just means... When it gets to just before bed, you don't eat a sugary snack or something. Like, or you don't eat a snack, which generally isn't well, healthy anyway. Well, that's just common sense. I'm sorry. Like, look, that- I need to have my <laughs> nine o'clock fairy floss, Chris. <laughs> Everyone <Just> does. Straight <laughs> sugar. Yeah. I need my pixie Pump sticks it. at yeah. 11 p.m. <laughs> I will not change for anyone. And my whiz fizz at 5.30. <laughs> I like the metaphor you were using before about the thermostat. And I would say that your weight isn't the thermostat itself, but the temperature of your house. And the thermostat, yeah. let's say that's your diet, but the temperature in your house is also dictated perhaps by how big your house is in the first place, how many lights are on, if it's winter or summer, how many people are living and breathing and fighting in that house. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So much in the same way, your weight is dictated by your diet, by your genetics, by your level of insulin resistance, which you know may have come about through your lifestyle. Maybe you smoke. Maybe you know, you've know you got a family history of a, you know, just, you know, like I think – Maltese people have a really high incidence of diabetes. Damn. Just FYI. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mediterranean diet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I like that metaphor a lot better because it kind of shows that diet is so multifactorial and, you know, you might want to go down the intermittent fasting path. I would say definitely don't do it if you have an existing medical condition or at least see a dietitian, not a just a GP about it and do it under medical supervision. In terms of that, actually, there's a yes. curiosity about that because that's yeah. one I would like. I agree. I think everyone, I'm still, I'm so pro intermittent fasting, totally for it. Yeah. But I'm on with you, with you as well because I don't want to be sending anyone down the wrong path. So everyone go see a dietitian. Can you go see a dietitian like a couple of times and then that's all right to set yourself up? Is that how it works? I actually don't know. In terms of like, well, it just depends what your health goals are. Like, so if you, if your goal is I want to do intermittent fasting and I want to do it safely, Mm -hmm. it just depends on who you see. It depends on the dietitian. It depends on, you know, your funds as well. If you're perfectly healthy, you know, the Georges of this world. (laughs) (laughs) Blessed with the bod. Yeah. Um, Then, you know, you might not be able to. guys, right? Yeah. So you can't get a referral from a GP to see a dietitian, um, you know, unless you have like a reason for it. So you have to go privately. Yeah, body shamed again, right? (laughs) It's tough up here. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. our public health system is body shaming Mm. you. But yeah, like it might just be, it, it depends on, it just depends on so many things. It might just be, you know, one conversation that you have with the dietitian and then they're like, well, let's see how this goes, you know, come yeah. see me again in three months and we'll see if you're doing all right. That, that, um, that's what I mean. So like, I want those average Joe listeners that listen to this podcast right now that are like, you know what? 
George sounded reasonably convincing. Chris didn't really tear apart his points. I don't think she has. I don't think she has, by the way. She generally agreed with me. He's like, I'm going to go read this. He's like, oh, you know what? I really agree with a lot of this, but I want to be responsible, which you should. Yeah. So what should they go from there? What's their, what should they do then? That's what I'm wondering. Well, I would also familiarize yourself with, wherever you're listening, the national health guidelines. I think most countries have national eating guidelines, which – I know for our Australian listeners, for example, um, the Australian Guide to Healthy Eating is based on over 50,000 studies. So that one's a pretty good one to look up if you've got, you know, if you want to. I would say first and foremost, compare the pair. You know, if you want to go and read this book, read this book, but don't let it be the be all and end all of health advice you Mm. put into practice this month, this year, whatever you want to do. Have a considered approach to what you're doing. Consider all options. Go see a dietitian. If you're really serious about making a change and then just see where that takes you. I can't, I am of the belief that everyone is an expert in their own body and in their own health. I can't tell you what to do. I can only say, this is where the science is. This is where the science isn't. And bottom line for me, I don't think if I had to give a blanket opinion, I don't think intermittent fasting is the most sensible way of losing weight. But if that's something you want to do, go see a dietitian so that they can help you do it safely and they can help you, you know, not develop an unhealthy relationship with food or develop nutrient-specific deficiencies. And, you know, let's say you're skipping breakfast, the dietitian might be able to help you maximize the other meals you're eating during the day. Yeah. And like, okay, just to clarify, right? <laughs> Fasting is actually the ultimate love of food. I love like, it's like, just like so on the back foot. Just, like, just, to, just to clarify, though. Like, yeah. Fasting is no, definitely not about an unhealthy relationship with food because it's about eating at the right times in the day. So you're like, you're totally appreciating food even more because you're actually disconnecting yourself from just eating by, ah, oh, I'm trained to eat now. So eat now. It's like, no, you're learning to listen to your body and be like, I should eat this time because food is so good for me. And when I have it right, it's good for me and I'm going to be healthy and I'm going to be full and I'm going to feel great. And so it's teaching you to have the best appreciation. So in fact, that's my point. Yes. <laughs> Fasting is not about starving. It's completely different to starving. Fasting is about controlled not eating, which is a very common thing throughout history. It's done in so many religions, done all around the world by so many different body types. But obviously, but no one's starving. No one's not eating. Like, as in, you've got mm. to be eating as well within it. No, no, I'm not, definitely not saying to not eat. No. That's why, like, even all the people who fast in the religions, Ramadan, you don't eat all day. There's mm. how many billion people follow that? But then they pig out. <laughs> At the end of it. So there's no one saying to not eat here. That's And, and they're enjoying the food the most out of anyone because we used to fast and feast. That's what we did in general as a, as a people. For thousands of years, we'd have these festivals where we would fast for however many weeks and then we would pig out at the end of it. And we would love it. The most. Those people would be like, oh, this is so delicious. Nom, nom, nom. So, yes, I disagree with fasting is not about unhealthy relationship. It is about the healthiest relationship with food. I just realized a very fun game to play with you, George, is don't say a thing. <laughs> you realize, I know, well, I can't stop now, right? <laughs> I'm like, I can eject at any point, but nah. Yeah, like, let's, let's see. Oh, he's going to sleep all night. <laughs> Hungry. But he's going <laughs> to. <laughs> well, I think. I, I keep waiting for you. Yes, go. From me having absolutely no expertise mm. on any of this, like just sort of taking from a very, very personal, and again, it's, you know, what's mm. best for you. I think for me personally, I don't think fasting would be the best thing for me. Like when I was younger, I didn't eat breakfast very often. 
And then I started and it's so much better for, um, you know, I, you know, you eat breakfast and then you can actually focus and you have energy for the morning. And that was my experience. Like, it was like, oh, okay, no, you need to do more (laughs) of that. And that was just me being really young and lazy and wanting to sleep and then realizing that breakfast was the greatest thing I could, the greatest gift I could give myself (laughs) was breakfast. It's pretty very good. I do like breakfast. Nice. But no, I, I've been, because like I, I speak to my PT about this kind of stuff as well. And she's also um, in the sort of intermittent fasting camp Woo! as well. But <laughs> I, I think it, it's this, <laughs> it, it is this kind of, kind of this idea of, well, it kind of comes down to this common sense, as, or not even common sense, but this idea of, well, look, you eat your meal at, or your dinner at a reasonable time, then yeah, there's this sort of period where you're not eating and then you go to bed and then you wake up and then you have breakfast. And that to me is kind of like, yeah, that's, that sounds about right. Like I could probably not eat for 12 hours because I probably already do that. It's just, you know, whenever everyone's like, they eat their dinner at six and then they have their breakfast at six. I'm a bit more like, say, <laughs> you really don't know how people lived here. <laughs> ten and ten. Not at all. Breakfast at six. Six is a, it's when you wake up. Yeah. That's when good boys and girls wake up, not just before midday. Is that oh, how that the world goes? Oh, my God. <laughs> can't tell you the last time I woke up after six. Because what happens when you're in full-time work is, you know, you wake up at six o'clock five days in the week. And then on the weekend, your body's like, yeah, yeah. Are we doing that thing again that we do every day? Yeah, cool. All right, I'll, 6.30, you get to sleep in. You're welcome. Hey, I woke up the other day at 9.30 and I was very proud of myself. Pretty good. <laughs> Thank you. No, I was very proud of you. <laughs> was, this, oh, this, was this the breakfast? So we, uh, before we were like, because again, me, me and Cass probably um, sleep terrible. Uh, so, definitely. Uh... <laughs> That's something I can say with certainty on this podcast. <laughs> Sam and I don't. I, don't know. <laughs> I think it's, it's 4 a.m. sometimes is the perfect time to rest your whittle head on a pillow. But no, meet me and Cass, I think, uh, uh, trash baby boys and girls mm-hmm. uh, and tend not to go to bed before midnight, I want to say. Oh, no. <laughs> that's, um, that's snack time. <laughs> that's when I have my pixie stick. Um, and so it is something that I would love to look at, um, trying to go to sleep at least before midnight. And and we were saying this to George, and George was giving us some grief because we're like, look, what we're going to do now is we're going to try and go for breakfast. We're going to go out for breakfast, 9 o'clock, that Friday. That's what we're going to do. And George mocked us. He laughed in our face, basically spat in my mouth and <laughs> called me a dumb, stupid boy. <laughs> But I was the- there. It happened. Was I a- believe it. That's <laughs> such a George thing to do. <laughs> but then you know what we did, George? You, you know what we did? We got up and we went for breakfast at 9.30. So you got to the breakfast place at 9.30? Yeah, we did. Yeah. Instead of 9. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's pretty pretty good. I, we were, I was up by 9. I don't think I was here by nine, but yeah, <laughs> sometimes spite's just what you need to get you up in the morning, well, I'm glad. eating your spite eggs. I'm glad and I yes, spied you. Yes. We had some delicious baked eggs out of spite and they were delicious. Yum. I love how like, I'm coming across here as this mean, calling you guys lazy and like fatty, lazy in, weaklings when I'm the one saying the opposite of in all sincerity, George is constantly very, very supportive of everyone trying their best. Mm. And when we did this, we were, we'd gone to bed at four or five that 
<laughs> that morning. That? <laughs> and then we were like, no, it's fine. In two days, we're going to have breakfast at nine. And George was like, no, you're not. <laughs> and do you know what? Works. Maybe we shouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> it just wasn't proving anything to do at once. Like. We only did it once. I know. And then I was able to wake up the next day. And then, yeah, the day after that, went to bed at 4 a.m. <laughs> So that yeah. was my point when I was saying it. I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah. So what I'm hearing is we need to have breakfast spite every day. Yes, <laughs> actually, that's how you can fix that. Breakfast is the spite of life. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so uh, my PT, she was also kind of saying intimate fasting is pretty good, but... I don't know. To me, I, I hear those words and I'm like, that just sounds like I'm starving myself or whatever. Mm-hmm. But when you sort of break it down to, well, you just have a big pause between, I guess, dinner and then breakfast the next day, it's it's not that unreasonable. It's just no dessert or no snacking or those kind of things uh, until the next day, which yeah. seems pretty easy. <laughs> like, I'm, I don't know. I'm not a huge snacker, am I-ish? Uh, mm. No. I don't, I don't, hmm. you will take what's going, but you won't. <laughs> Is there you, something always going? You don't, you like, I just thinking back, it's usually, hey, do you want this? And you're like, no, if it's going, I'll have some. But you're never out ordering the snack. Yeah. If I'm like, oh, what's on this table? Can I have some of that? You're like, yeah, all right, I'll have a little bit. But if it's not there, I'm like, nah, it's fine. I don't care. I'm good. Contextually, you are a snacker. <laughs> yes, um, but that seems yeah, yeah pretty easy to do, um, yeah. and then just kind of cuts out like you know you, if you don't have dessert and you don't have like any sort of like midnight snack or that kind of stuff. Well, I mean, that's well, because that, that, that's what it's trying to teach. Which again, I think it's actually we're saying mostly the same stuff. Which is like as teaching... Chris said, but and George just vehemently denied. <laughs> no, well, it's about learning the disconnect between yeah. sometimes you're hungry, yeah. actually, and sometimes you're bored, you're tired, you're grumpy. Or you just have that visual cue. Hey, if it's going, I'll <coughs> yeah. have some, and yeah. you're not actually hungry. That's and that's true. I saw a um a. Okay, so one of my guilty pleasures is looking up mum blogs from the ads on Facebook. So now that's all the ads I get. And I click on every single one and mum drama is just, oh, the nectar. But I saw this. I saw this one. What? To unpack up. I know, you got to do, you can't just skip. I'm sorry. Mum blogs? What's mum blogs? You guys probably don't get any ads for them. No. No. So there's this whole like mums on the internet blogging about their experiences being mothers and, like, um, mm. on a social level as well as actual parenting techniques and then um, all this stuff about coming out about, like, people shaming other mums for not raising their kids in exactly the right way or, like, um, there's this new wave of mums being, like, this is ha- this is what I'm actually like with my kids, you know, because with social media and stuff it's sort of exemplified that of what it means to be a good mum and things like that. So there is all this pressure on on mums to be a certain way and it's people trying to break down that pretty much. Super interesting. And then when there is inter-mum drama about, you know, my darling husband did this, what do you guys think? And, oh, yes, um, that's, that, is, <laughs> I spent, that is my guilty pleasure. But it does sound juicy, actually. Yeah. It is very juicy. But I found an article recently that was pretty much like, here's how I get my kids to eat dinner. Don't know if it'll work for your kids, works for mine. But they made vegetables. So if they've got, like, veggies and, like, meat or whatever for their kids, they'll make the veggies first 
and serve the veggies to their kids while they're cooking the meat and stuff because what they, she said what she found was her kids would eat the meat and the stuff that they liked more and be like, oh, we're full now and then just not touch their veggies. So I did that to myself this morning. (laughs) I was like, I I need to eat a lot more vegetables. So I got myself my vegetables and I was like, you can eat your veggies and then if you're hungry, then you can have more food because then, you know, because it's not – I'm not getting those cues because I prefer things like toast and Mm. cookies, things like that, where I (laughs) could just, yeah, I could just keep eating. Yeah, I could just keep eating more and more and more. But with veggies, where I'm not so enamored with them, sort of like I eat them and then I'm like, oh, I, I actually am full now. So that's a that's a tip I picked up from a mum blog. There you go. Treat yourself like a toddler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not far off, to be honest. Yeah. And I've started meal prepping recently, which is a lot of fun because there's six people in my household and I'm cooking for all of us. So I'm oh. cooking like 50 meals on a Sunday night, which is super fun. But, yeah, like you just don't have that visual cue of, oh, I've got this in the pantry, I've got that in the pantry, I'm just going to make a cheese toasty for dinner. You've got mm. that meal in front of you, it's balanced, you've got your veggies, you've got your carbs, you've got your protein. You're like, well, this is fine. This is what I'm having and I'm totally happy to have this. And that's mm. it. So what would be some of the, I guess, very basic things that, I guess people could come to see a dietitian for what's the most common kind of problems people would be like hey I have a problem with this is it mostly weight loss or is it more people have very specific individualized needs I think the question you're alluding to there and a question a lot of people ask me is well, like what does a dietitian do and also what does a dietitian do versus what does a nutritionist do because I think that that's like really confusing for some people so dietitians are people who like you know you can go see them for weight loss but If you're otherwise perfectly healthy, you could also go see a nutritionist for weight loss. Dietitians are people who practice something called medical nutrition therapy, which is just a fancy way of saying if you have a diagnosed medical condition like diabetes or heart disease or maybe you've got an allergy, maybe you've got celiac disease, then you go see a dietitian versus like general healthy eating and I want to lose a little bit of weight or maybe something really common like I've got an iron deficiency and I just want to find out ways to fix that, you go see a nutritionist. Okay. Yeah. So to answer your question, um, it depends on like the demographic. So like if you're a dietitian who specializes in seeing children, you'd see a lot of like allergies and things like that and you might see a little bit of like type 1 diabetes and all that stuff, but it just depends on your patient group. Okay. It's very versatile. Hmm. So say uh, you're listening to this show and you're like, I could deal with losing a little bit of weight and look, I feel a little bit sad. What would you kind of be like? Hey, here are some things that you can do. Number one, love yourself. Yay. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And just practicing a little bit of self-compassion. I think that we're all really like like very, very hard on ourselves these days to look a certain way. Number two, go see a doctor and see if you actually really need to lose weight versus like I just want to like look really good, you know, because there's a huge difference in the methods that you would choose for those two things. And the other thing is if you, uh, you know, if you're like – a normal person, I know that's like a really loaded statement, but if you're just like an average Joe, you've got a pretty good education, you kind of know what you should be doing. You know, you know you shouldn't be doing the late night snacks. You know you shouldn't be having the high sugar, high fat snacks in between meals. You know you should be having more veggies and more fruit and drinking more water versus more soft drink. That's the first thing I would say to people. Like if they are having soft drinks and juices and things like that, 
um, instead of water, I would, that's like really low-hanging fruit. I would say let's just start there and see what happens. With, actually, to do with that as well, like yeah. the big one, and again, maybe if you disagree with this, but the one big takeaway I would say right now sweepingly is that uh, diet anything in terms of soda is does nothing to help you lose weight and also apparently has some carcinogenic effects, which – the regular one doesn't. So it's actually worse in every way than a regular soda. So you're not helping yourself at all having the diet versus the regular. Just don't have it at all. Um, look, water's always better, but I know that there have been studies and I think it's something like up to 15 cans of diet soda you can have a day and, like, you still wouldn't even approach the level of um, artificial sweetener. Do not do that. 15 do not cans do that. of soda a day. <laughs> Who's drinking 15 cans? If you're drinking 50... Stop. Take a good hard look at the mirror. You say, you're surely not asking. <laughs> <laughs> 15. What do I do go, 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 to just deal with my weight? So, How many is that an hour? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot of fluid, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, I would say if you're like, oh, man, I really feel like X drink, have the diet version. So, so yes. the one I heard about that is that the the diet version still releases the same amount of insulin. No, it still creates an insulin response. Yeah, um, but it's not the same amount of insulin. Not well, the same, amount, but it still creates insulin response, but not the same. Amount, a so. slight insulin response. Okay. Yeah. All right, okay. But not as much as like a soft drink with like fifteen tablespoons of sugar in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So diet's better. Diet is better. Water is best. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I can deal with that. Um, yeah, and the, but the other one is uh, what about low fat. So low-fat milk and stuff, that's the only one I heard, is just rubbish. Don't worry about it. Just have full full cream. <clears throat> Enjoy that full cream. Um, I would say have low-fat dairy simply because full-fat dairy, again, has saturated fat in it, which consumed over a long period for at a high volume increases your risk of heart disease. What do you have to say about that? Uh, I would say any of it shouldn't be sculling. Mm-hmm. But if you're having a little bit, I feel like uh, you might as well just – like my view with all this stuff – in terms of even the soda, and it's funny me saying this, but again, this is my, like, looking at it. Uh, basically, you shouldn't have any of it. And if you do, have the strong one so then you feel more like you've had it. And then where you maybe won't have it again, you know what I mean? So instead of having the Diet Coke, have a regular Coke and be like, God, no, I definitely won't have another one for a few days. Instead of having the Diet Coke and be like, actually, this is still all right and having one every day. Mm. Just don't have diet, don't have low fat, have the regular one, but then be like, well, now I've actually had the full amount. I should not. You know what I mean? But like the problem with this about, low fat. Yeah, sorry. Just on – like you're right about the diet soda with that argument. But in terms of like we need to consume dairy regularly in order to have healthy, strong bones, right? So you need to be having it a few times a day, whether that's like a little bit of cheese or a yogurt or a milk, and that all adds up if you're having the full-fat options. So I would say have low-fat dairy given that you need to have it um, depending on – you know, your age and your sex, Mm. anywhere from two to four times a day. So if you're having full-fat dairy, let's say you're a Mm. woman aged over 60 and you need like four serves or over four serves, then if you're having full-fat dairy that much in that amount every single day, then it adds up. So it's not just about cravings, it's about your nutritional requirements as well. Oh, yeah, I was referring to that. That's it. I, I, I don't think I have that much dairy in a day. Do you have that much dairy in a day? I don't know if you do any uh, I mostly like my proteins from dairy. Really? I don't have any dairy. Mm. All right. Okay. Well, if you something have that much, to, that makes more to sense. Think then. About, yeah. yeah, that makes sense. If, that, if that's the point, yeah. yeah. I, mine was more like if you're going to have it a little bit, just have 
the full thing and you know enjoy it and then just move on from there right mm. like and with if, a diet you know if you don't eat dairy so you're vegan there are other ways of getting calcium like you can have like fortified milks and stuff like that but that's a separate <clears throat> argument <laughs> <laughs> which i'm going to read up on <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. The other one was the claim that when you don't eat, and again, this is over different versions of time, because look, there's the, 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 the fasting thing. It's quite a rabbit hole you can tumble down mm-hmm. where um, with the saying with the right amount of uh, supervision and the right amount of vitamins consumed, you can go for quite a while without eating, like a ridiculously long time, like as in a week or something like that without eating, which is extreme. And obviously, that's nutritional health and vitamins being consumed. Uh, but the point that it made, which uh, Cass raised a different point to me, which is the the idea that when you don't eat, um, it, you start consuming your muscles. Yes. Um, and the, the one that I'd read and heard about is that that's not true because why would it be when you think about it, when your body has its fat stores, which its whole purpose is to give you energy, why would it use eat your muscles? It doesn't make any sense. Because your muscles are made up of glycogen, which is a type of carbohydrate, and your body needs carbs. So it goes, well, it's much easier for me to just take this energy from my muscles rather than convert that energy from my fat cells. So it just goes, this is the easy way to do it. I obviously need to be conserving energy right now because I'm in a state of starvation. I'm just going to take it from my muscles. And I've had countless patients who I've done physical assessments on who are still, like they've got quite a, high composition of fat and you can see that they're quite large still Mm -hmm. but when i've had a feel of their muscles and you can see different parts of their body you can see that they've actually lost a lot of muscle Mm -hmm. versus a lot of fat when they've been in a state of malnutrition when they just haven't eaten yeah or like you know they've been vomiting a lot or countless other things that can happen when someone's malnourished all right there you go good to know that's yeah Yeah. So I guess the takeaway message is see a GP and then also see a, either a nutritionist or dietitian before you make any radical changes. But 12 don't, hours is all right. Don't just read a <laughs> 12 hours is all right. That's what we're getting to. It's a, don't just read one book and, dis- and, and decide that this is how you will live your life. And this isn't just on diet. I think this is generally a sneaky jab at religion I wasn't meaning to take. But here I am. Don't just live your life. With one source. This is, it's actually many books compiled into one collection. So technically, uh, they're multiple books. It's an anthology. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So you don't live your life by one book. Unless that book is an anthology, then I guess fair because that's several short stories. Exactly. Thank you. They're all kind of backing each other up. So yeah. that's all fine. That sounds it's like a bit, a, bit of, a bit of a circle jerk, really. <laughs> Are we still talking about the diet book? I'm not <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Chris, for coming on the show and answering some uh, questions about diet. Uh, if you bugalugs out there have any questions about um, any sort of like food-related one, we'll definitely get Chris back on the show. So send them in to happylepod at gmail.com. And also, to put it out there, just because I've uh, been very much in the back with this whole thing, Let's get let's get some people chatting. Even if you agree with me, and you're a diet and you're a doctor or you're a nutritionist, and you actually agree with what I'm saying, get that in. And the people who disagree, both throw it in. I want mm. to see both, and we will talk about it on the show. Yes. Even get Chris back because oh, I'm wait. I just want I just want someone. I'd love with more to credentials. Hear. Yeah. Yes, that's yeah, what I'd love to hear more feedback from yeah. any side. That would yeah, be wonderful. exactly. Same. So both sides. But make it both sides. Come on, <laughs> fans. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, I've been Joel. I've been George. I've been Cass. I've been Chris. And we're still fine. We're fine? We're so fine.
So fine. Thanks for listening. If you do need help, go get it. We're not qualified in any way, shape, or form. But if you want to help support us, just head to uh, sanspantsplus.com and give what you can and help support this happy little show. And if you want to stay in contact with us out of uh, the podcast realm, you can hit me up on Twitter. I'm at GoddammitZamit. I'm at the G Dimmer. I'm at Rubbly Plank. I'm at Jackson B. Bailey. I love you, Cass. <laughs> Joel Dusha does not. <laughs> <laughs>